0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. We uh, have some interesting ideas for you today. You know, there's there's more than one way to get out of your business. You know, as you know, we always talk about the fact that there's, you know, if you're going to plan to get into a business, you should be planning how you're going to get out of that business. Uh, not just uh, the year before or a couple months before, but years before However, sometimes situations occur, and you realize you just can't uh, easily sell the business or get out of the business, and you need an alternative strategy. And we're going to talk today with Bruce Dobb of Concerned Capital about such a strategy. Uh, Bruce, I will welcome you onto the line. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Bill.
0: Bruce, it's a pleasure to have you on, uh, and uh, I think uh, we're going to have uh, – you have another uh, guest with you, do you not?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Who's arriving now? It's Tomas Duran. He's the president of Concerned Capital. I'm a partner at Concerned Capital. We've been around since 2003. Terrific. Okay. Well, we'll welcome Tomas when he gets on the line. But
0: uh, Bruce, tell us a little bit about you and your background and tell us a little bit about what Concerned Capital is. It's a fascinating, fascinating uh, company and fascinating idea.
1: We're a social benefit corporation with a triple bottom line, and we were started about 10 years ago with the idea that um, we were economic development practitioners. Both Tomas and I have helped cities retain jobs and grow jobs in their cities, and that a lot of the companies that we'd helped over the years got successful, and the owners aged, and then they looked to transition the company to keep the jobs local because that's what our business is saving jobs in inner city areas. And there was nobody there for them to transition to. Uh, many times we heard situations where an owner would have a sudden dislocation, would need to sell the property that the business was in, uh, had a retirement need, had a sickness and illness, his wife had taken over the running the company, and the transition was not well thought out. In many cases, the majority of companies don't, they, they, they focus on running their business, not on transitioning out. Um, mm-hmm. And the brokerage community was kind of blind to the idea that the employees would want to keep the jobs local. Most of them were just interested in getting a commission for the sale of the company and not trying to do an economic development mission. So Concerned Capital is really born with the idea that we were going to perform a service for cities and, uh, and communities that wanted to help keep the jobs there, and that's what we do. We're not, we're not real estate brokers. We're not business brokers. We really help transition companies. In many cases, the owner knows who he wants to sell to, whether it's children or whether it's uh, key employees, and, we, and but he just doesn't have the tools. He or she doesn't have the tools to do it, and that's where Concerned Capital comes in and we assist them. We welcome brokers. We work with all kinds of brokers to make sure that they do get paid in transactions, but our, our, our primary focus is in keeping the jobs local. Well, that's terrific, and, you know, it, you're right.
0: It's For every planned transaction – there are a large number of unplanned transactions, things that just happen to people or situations that come about. And the, if they need to, um, if they try to you know, liquidate in a hurry, uh, it doesn't always pan out to be beneficial for their family financially. I mean, rarely does it. So it's, it's a fascinating um, idea and strategy. And um, how did it come about? How did concerned Capital get started?
1: Let me, tell, let me introduce Tomas Duran, the president, and he, he can take it from here. Hi. Hi, Tomas. Uh, Wel- welcome to the show.
2: You.
0: Thank you. Thank uh, you for so, having me. Uh, tell, tell tell, Tomas, tell us a little bit about Concern Capital. I understand what it, a little bit more about what it does, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts. Uh, what was the genesis behind the idea to uh, to start the company?
2: Well, Concern Capital has been around as a concept for close to 15 years, and it's one of the things that Bruce had worked on and had worked under his as as consulting banner. We joined forces about four years ago and incorporated it as a social benefit corporation with the intent to do economic development work as a for-profit and with a strong mission or a very focused mission of preserving jobs in low-income communities and helping police, um, people who group the jobs there and those places grow and help those businesses grow and access resources and add more jobs and
1: thrive. The reasons are that we we focus on jobs that pay family wages a lot in manufacturing. And the reason why that's important is traditionally manufacturing jobs pay two and a half times minimum wage in most communities. So we feel we do an economic development service by focusing on those companies that have family wages and, and trying to keep the jobs local.
2: When we looked okay. around, we looked around our landscape and we saw that well, there's a big um, push on developing tech and biomed and, and, and a lot of the or um, exotic. The exotic little more exotic types of uh, job development or even more uh, traditional, whether it be music and um, art and, and, and uh, movies. We saw that mm-hmm. the manufacturing sector was was really being left out of the picture and frankly wasn't being considered as a viable option for a lot of people. Whereas it's the true entree into the middle class for a lot, of, uh, a lot of workers, and it's a great way to grow wealth. So we wanted to play a role in not only continuing those jobs, but helping transfer the wealth from and the, uh, the ownership from those retiring worker uh, owners to, to the people that have helped them grow and helped them sustain um, their uh, businesses over, over the decades.
0: That's great, and it makes a lot of sense, and uh, especially when you, when you describe it as, as you have, that manufacturing jobs usually pay more than the minimum wage, much more. Um, isn't there a threat, though, from automation? Isn't that the biggest threat to these jobs?
2: Yes, and frankly, that's been the biggest reason why jobs have decreased um, in the manufacturing sector. That being said, um, there's still a lot of viable opportunities, and, and where we are, we're in one of the largest concentrations of manufacturing um, in, if, in, definitely in the country and possibly the world, and so there's a lot of opportunities. And when one industry may start downsizing, for example, in the defense sector, there may be fewer warplanes assembled or or built here, but the commercial sector is booming, and so that means there's there's un, and and there's a backlog for um, machines. So that means that there's also unmet demand that um, you may be able to do you may be able to meet as your company grows. And, okay, and I frankly should so be honest with you, there, there's yeah. going to be a lot more jobs available because as these, these guys who are, are retiring, they're doing the jobs of two or three people. And as they retire, you're not going to find someone as skilled. You're going to find two or three people to kind of take those jobs and, and, and do the work that that, that person has been doing that for such a long time and, who has, and has an enormous amount of um, capacity. Um, so there's going to be some growth in that sector uh, as people start to retire.
0: I, I completely agree with you, and that's that's what I hear as I travel about and talk to business owners. Is that finding skilled labor is becoming more and more difficult? I don't know if it's just that they're they're not being trained uh, or or getting into it, like in for instance high school programs and things like that. But it seems like there's a big shortage um, in the skilled labor labor area. So uh, let's talk about you know uh, macroeconomics here for a second. Uh, How can the country save what manufacturing jobs are that are left? Um, How and how can this program help?
1: That's a huge, that's that's a great question you just asked. And it's a a huge issue is facing us now with the retirement of the baby boomers. It's estimated that three quarters of all the small businesses in this country are owned by people over 55 years of age. There's one statistic I saw that said $10 trillion of baby-owned businesses, baby boomer-owned businesses, assets, will be passed down or sold by the year 2025. That's $10 trillion. So invariably what's happening with this transition of ownership that's occurring is that many of these companies are getting consolidated or sold to much larger companies, and that is eliminating some local place jobs for sure. Um mm-hmm. They they estimate that only 20% of retiring small business owners will actually find a buyer for their company. So we think that there's a lot of space in here for us to be innovative about finding buyers and assisting sellers with innovative solutions to finding buyers. We like key management personnel when there's a second tier of management in a company that we think can take over the ownership of the company, especially in situations where they don't have a complicated sales chain. We think that that works really well sometimes. We're in favor of private equity investors who are promised to keep the jobs local and, and, and see a, a benefit to taking over a company with experienced personnel working there, carrying on the, the duties of the company. We're also in favor of things that innovate companies that cause the rebirth of a rebirth of a manufacturing company, maybe put them online where they had previously hadn't been online. And so we find that there's a number of innovative solutions you can use to extend the life of a company, and not just say when the owner dies, the company is over.
2: And, and frankly, that's, that's one of the reasons why we chose to do this as a for-profit. We want to show that there's a viable business uh, business model here that can help with the transition of ownership and that addresses a um, missed opportunity in the mergers and acquisition field. Because the, the way that field has kind of developed, it's never been faced with such a large number of people retiring, a large number of uh, businesses that need to change hands. And so the way that they've traditionally done business isn't going to meet the needs for everybody in this space. So if we can show this model right. work, yeah. we show this model Yeah,
0: you absolutely, absolutely right. Be, I mean, you know,
2: other people can can adopt it as well and that could be that will lead to saving those jobs.
0: I think we read from the same statistics book because as as the if you if you picture a pyramid listeners and at the lower end of the pyramid is the big base of businesses uh those are those are the businesses you see as you drive around uh, your city your towns uh, those are the businesses that are that we're talking about, and they're not going to get a private equity group to buy them. They're not going to get an an M&A group to necessarily sell them. Some of them, they'll be lucky if they're able to transition it, but uh, to to another uh, key employee or or a family member, uh, if they haven't done any planning, it's going to be very tough. But isn't that the situation we're talking about where this is the bulk of the U.S. businesses that Are not attractive to the M&A companies or the outside buyers necessarily, uh, but yet they provide jobs and they provide livings for a lot of people. I mean, the the majority of people in the country.
2: Absolutely, and I've seen data here locally that says you know in LA County, the manufacturing businesses uh, between two thirds and three quarters are all have fewer, less than 20 employees. These are local mom and pop owned stores. These shops. They're not gonna. You're not gonna get a huge commission for selling it from one person to the other. And so what we're finding is that a lot of these businesses are sold by business bro- or by uh, brokers who may not actually understand business, or they have a broker's right. license in, in real estate and it allows them to also sell business here in California. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best person to help that owner exit and create a succession plan. Yeah, we so
1: we find that a lot of times the, the business business, owner knows a buyer, whether it be employee group or his uh, son's daughter, that they'd like to transition to, and that we actually work with both sides until they get to the point where they've reached a a letter of understanding, uh, it's called an LOI, a letter (coughs) of intent, And then we have everybody hire a lawyer. They lawyer up so that they can go to the close for the final docs to make sure they're protected, their interests are protected. But we don't do it as a hostile transfer from an outside third party who's suspicious of everything. We like to work with friendly buyers and friendly sellers. And we do insist on due diligence being done by the buyer so that they they can make sure that there's value being transferred. But we find that the existing system for transferring ownership doesn't always work to everybody's interest.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And you know, there's a huge number of these situations that are—I um, I talk to them all the time where they're saying, "I just don't know who's going to buy the business." And so now, let me ask you a question. So the name of the company is Concerned Capital, and I like—I like that name. Uh, it, it to me it, it means—is are, are your services for any business owner? um of a certain size or or in any situation or do you really like to come into situations where there's uh you you know you, you need a creative outcome from a situation what's your niche
1: you, you know, what? a lot of, our, our, of what we've done is provide financing for many of the potential buyers. People say, well, employee group, how the heck are we going to get that financed? Um, Tomas <laughs> comes from a background. He worked for Genesis LA, which is a large financial institution here in LA. I was 10 years chief credit officer for the largest nonprofit lender in town. So that's where we really come in. That's why the capital part of our name. We help them okay. find creative ways to find financing from those lenders that have a particular interest and keeping jobs local. And that's our whole theme. How can we keep the jobs local, keep the company going, extend the life of the company, and keep people employed?
0: I like it a lot. Okay, so in a situation where you have a, 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 maybe a long-time worker who is a good manager probably can run a company but really has no money outside of what they get from the company and you have an owner who's got a business that's a nice business and they say look uh, the easiest thing for me to do is to sell my and sometimes it's uh, tax motivated is to sell my stock to this this employee because then it'll be a capital gains transaction and i'll win that way as opposed to an asset transaction do you come in with situations like that do you recommend uh, uh, employees uh, buy stock from an employer or do you prefer an asset-based sales or, or do you have a preference in that type of transaction you're
1: preaching to the choir here, bill that's our strategy whenever possible see outside third-party investors are very leery of taking over a corporation lock stock and barrel because they don't know what's in the corporate shell what we figure is that a long-term employee kind of knows what's going on with the corporation they've been there for a long time when possible we like we prefer that it, we we transition the company so that the owner gets the most favorable tra- tax treatment he can get for the sale of his company.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's what a lot of owners are looking at these days. Is they're looking they're just saying, look, I'll pay one fair tax. I get that. I just don't want to pay, you know, a, a double tax transaction in some way, shape, or form, uh, and uh, and lose uh, half or more of the value of my company. Uh, to the government uh, agencies. So, uh, it, so it sounds like okay. Whether whether you're a business that is um, you know, certainly in distress, but also if you're just the normal business owner and you're saying nobody pays attention to me, uh, I, I'm not getting calls and offers for uh, to sell my business, and I need to figure out how I'm going to uh, transition this thing and, and finance it properly. Uh, it sounds like that's where you guys come in. Give us a, a can you give us like a case example, a, a, a particular uh, scenario that you've walked somebody through and what the outcome was?
2: Yeah, there was a uh, food producer here in um, in the LA area that was family owned and was closely held. It had been around for 40 some odd years, and the key manager's uh, production. Uh, okay. uh, I'm sorry, uh, production. Um, delivery, sales, and the actual uh, recipe guy had been around with the company for more than 25 years. Um, The owners were, um, the actual founder passed, and the children were running the operation. And the children had other careers. They were not, they went off and have professional careers and they didn't want to operate the business. And so the business had been kind of run in absentia. And these guys who were the key managers saw a lot of opportunities for new sales, for running more efficiently, opportunities uh, and knew about equipment that needed to be replaced or needed to be serviced. Um, and their company was stuck because the um, children of the founders were unwilling to put in any more equity into the business to buy more raw material because they were unsure of when they were gonna get that return. And mm-hmm. so honestly, they were kinda keeping it alive uh, or keeping the company going until the, uh, their mother the wife of the founder, uh, until she passed, I think I, I believe was their thinking, so that she didn't have to um, deal with the closing of this business that had been their life for the last forty some odd years. And it got to the point where they just couldn't sustain the business anymore. And we were invited in to come and talk to them about how they can access other sources of capital. And what we found as we were talking to them is that there was interest from the key employees to purchase the business. Um, there was interest from the family to sell. And what we were able to do was to help them um, come to, uh, to terms with what that would look like for both sides. Meet the needs of the family and meet the needs of the, um, the mom who was in hospice, and so that the daughters could ensure that there was ongoing income to um, meet her uh, 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 needs. needs and quality of life. Um, at the same token, also preserve the legacy that the family had developed because they had. As, as uh, had enjoyed very good um, a reputation in the space. The other thing that they had was they owned the land, they owned the real estate, and the real estate was um, outvalued the value of the business. And so the pressure on them was, why don't we just close the business and sell the real estate and walk away? And so, sure, we had to, uh, we were able to help them see that you know, transitioning the business, setting up a, a long-term lease, which ensured ongoing income to the family. Um, and letting these guys who had been running the business themselves take over and start putting their own capital in was the best outcome for everybody involved. The end result was that sales went up. Um, they were operating at a third of their capacity. They, they basically hired up a whole new shift. Their sales went up by 60%. Um, the people who were there, were buying their product were so excited about this transition and this new opportunity and, these opportun- and that these entrepreneurs were – were um, now taking ownership that they were willing to pay um, on delivery. Um, they were you know, very, very supportive, you know, uh, yeah, COD. Um, and when they told the mother who was in you know, hospice that they had sold the business to the employees, then she responded, she's like, yeah, that, that's kind of what we always intended, that these people who had been with us for decades, that we watched their children grow up and become adults, mm-hmm that transitioning this business that we all built together to them made a lot of sense, and she was very happy with that outcome. Um, She actually used a phrase uh, there, uh, a phrase phrase from a a Mexican um, uh, general, Emiliano Zapata, that that basically said the land belongs to those who work it. And from her perspective, it was you put in that kind of work, you should have ownership over over kind of what, what you built, and she was excited that that happened.
1: So um, we we, uh, we have other stories too. I mean, there's a lady who who ran a company really as a general manager for 15 years. Came over, she she she, she, she had no college education or formal training, but she came to that plant and learned all the equipment. She was just good mechanically, and uh, it was a large uh, manufacturer of molding for uh, for uh, uh, photographs and paintings and things, and it was a wood manufacturing company. Um, she was just very entrepreneurial. She kept everybody employed. The owners were offered a great deal of money. They wanted. They were retirement age. They were over 80. A great deal of money for the site the uh, business was on, about five times what the business was worth. She basically took it from a break-even to profitability and moved it off the site. And, you know, there's success story after success story. Now, that was just a key employee that took over a company. The other, the earlier story we told you was about a, a group of employees. We'll work with collectivas. We'll work with co-ops. We'll work with sole proprietors, business entrepreneurs. We're not ideologically tied to any form of ownership. The whole idea is how can we keep those jobs local? And, you
2: know, and, get, you know uh, whatever Bruce... Publishes an article in a little daily journal. We'll get calls from um, family offices. You know these guys who uh, who have built businesses, sold the business, and then are sitting on their cash and kind of living off of the uh, the interest from their cash. And they'll call and say, Hey, you know, my family had a manufacturing company. We built it up. I sold it. I'm bored. Do Do you know any businesses I can buy locally that you know I can kind of get back into it and not necessarily be the guy who's there every day, but Kind of guided, and be more the owner. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. So and so and and we find that there's a lot of people, a lot of interest in buy in buying these businesses. Um, and while we love the story of the transition to the workers and, and to you know the key managers because it preserves their legacy, sometimes there are businesses that are in a situation where there isn't anybody who's ready to do that, and so we can help find that alternative. Um, and with the intent of keeping those
0: jobs there. That's a it's a fantastic service because there, there are a lot of situations obviously out there where people say, yeah, I know what I want to do, I know what I want to do, I just don't know how to do it. And when it comes to money, sometimes those are the biggest challenges of all. So having concerned capital on your side is certainly an asset for you to have. Um, how do uh, how do our listeners? get in touch with you guys Uh, give us your website address and best phone number to call
2: sure our website is www.concernedcapital.org we're on twitter at concerned capital and uh, we're also on facebook at uh, concerned capital as well and that's capital c-a-p-i-t-a-l
1: yeah okay you know what? for your listeners if they'd like to reach us We're going to give you a cell phone number to call, area code 323-855-9445, Bill, area code 323-855-9445, or we'll be more than glad to take an email from them as well. My email address is my name, Bruce Dobb at Yahoo, it's nine letters, B-R-U-C-E-D-O-B-B. Tomas, you want to give me your email address?
2: Uh, yeah, it's just T-Duran, like the the music group or the fighter, Duran, D-U-R-A-N, at ConcernCapital.org.
0: Terrific. Uh, you know, it, uh, I would urge you, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I, I can figure out uh, who I want. I know my target. I know my timing. I just don't know how I'm going to get the, the capital to make this thing work. Uh, give Bruce and Tomas a call. Or check out their website concernedcapital.org. Check it out and maybe uh, get some ideas and uh, and talk to them about how you can solve your most difficult situations. Keep the American dream alive. Uh, you know we never count the American business owner out. They're the toughest people out there. And uh, you, you deserve solutions to, uh, to problems, whether you're in a situation of distress where you really need a buyer in a hurry and you need to figure things out because something's happened to you or something's happened to the owner or you're just sitting there going, you know, nothing seems to, to make sense. How am I going to get this to the next generation? So thank you, uh, Bruce and Tomas. Thank you so much for joining us today and, and enlightening us as to what you do and how you keep the American dream alive. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Bill. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's DRIVERS to 44222. Text DRIVERS to 44222.